Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience for physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the J3U Podcast. I'm your host, John Jewett, and with me is co-host Luke Miller. And today... We have a special guest, Evan Sintapani. I feel like needs no further introduction. IFBB pro, um, legend in the bodybuilding sport. Uh, and the first person that came to mind of, of like what we're all trying to put out with J3 University is a mindful, safer approach in bodybuilding. And Evan, you were like the one of the first people that I ever came across when I was watching videos. I was starting bodybuild that was explaining the whys behind what they did <clears throat> and had a a health rationale behind things as well, which was different from other information being put out. So you were honestly like probably one of the first bodybuilders that I came across that I really connected with because I need to understand why we were doing things. But anyway, welcome, Evan. Great to have you on, man. Dude, it's great to be here. Uh, that's a massive, massive compliment. And I sincerely appreciate that. We were talking yesterday about watching those original videos of you having like all the food spread out on the kitchen counter. And like walking through it and stuff like with the food preparation and everything and uh, yeah you know i mean when i started like really bodybuilding you know like doing it consistently and really getting uh getting my act together with nutrition and stuff this is going back maybe like 2003 or four and you know did my first competition at age 23 in 2005 i mean it became apparent to me pretty early on like eating can be very challenging. Um, you know, having your food together, having, if you're going to stick to a diet, you need to have what you need available to you when you need it. So it requires a bit of planning. So you need to have some kind of system. Uh, so for me, it was all about kind of just developing that system. And over the years, it's kind of evolved and I've perfected it. We actually just, John, we just did a video, uh, uh, for it with an, in conjunction with animal, um, bodybuilding.com was involved with it, but I think I prepped like a week's worth of food in like 90 minutes. Um, what was it? The 12, like 12 foods for cutting or 12 foods. No, it was a different one. Okay. No, it hasn't come out yet, oh. but it's like, I, I do, I show you basically how to assemble an entire week's worth of nutrition in 90 minutes. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I work with clients. I know you work with clients and one of the things you get often, uh, you know, de depending on the level that the person is at, well, you know, I, I ran out of meals, I didn't have time to prep, you know, stuff like that. But it's like, dude, you got to get a system in place. I'm going to show you how to do it so that there's no excuses, because uh, I'm tired of that excuse. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great idea, because, I mean, back then, you know, I was working, going to school, like you have like the optimal on paper, like do this. But it's not often you get the like how to do it either. And you're just left to kind of figure it out. And so I think that's when your your videos were so valuable back then because you actually showed the meal prep process. And um, that's that's a, a huge benefit. I remember you were doing sliced sweet potatoes and baking them. And dude, I that's what I did like back then. And um, I, I, I hate I despise sweet potato now, though. But <laughs> I totally I was eating cold, cold and cold turkey in college. Um, so thanks, Evan. No. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, if there's one thing we do as bodybuilders, like we ruin food, meaning yeah. like we eat so much of it for so long, so consistently that you just wear it out beyond all comprehension. You're just like, I never want to see this food again. Do you have a food like that that sticks out? It's like, I can just never eat that again. <sighs> Canned tuna. I mean, that still haunts me from early my early days of bodybuilding, I played it out so bad. Uh, but even the, you know, like fish, I'll have this relationship with like, you know, say cod, where I go through months and months of eating it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done with it. I don't want to look at it. Nothing. But then it's fucked up because like a couple months will go by and like, I want some fish. I could really go for some <laughs> cod. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because one of my first preps with, with Matt Jansen, you know, you give me the plan and like, dude, if that says that food, that's what I'm going to eat. And he had like, he had tilapia on there and right. it, I would prep it. Cause I was working in school. I'd prep a big dish of it. Like I would my chicken 
and I would be like scooping out the tilapia with that gel, you know, when the it's gel, the it I could just puke just thinking about it. So tilapia is one like I just never would pick. And like the, the next prep was like, dude, I will, I don't, I won't fish at all. Like none. Like I don't care. He's like, oh yeah, man, you should have said something. I was like, oh shit. And that's the funny thing. Like I'm, I'm like you. If if I was going through a prep and I'm working with someone and they're like, eat this, that's what we're eating. Um. But then come to find out, like down the road, like, yeah, man, the, I was eating this and I was just, I felt like I was going to gag. I'm like, why didn't you say something? Like, <laughs> right. you hated tilapia? Like, you, you could have had cod instead. I'm like, really? Yeah, I make then, sure you know, I like You don't want to be yeah. that client. Like, I work with people and it's like every other day, it's like they're trying to find a substitute for some food in the diet. And you're like, no, just eat the fucking diet. Like, just stop. <laughs> Luke, do you have a food like that that sticks out? Cod. I can't cod. Oh, okay. I had a prep where it was like cold cod for like four out of the six meals of the day. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things you got to eat it like, I think right away. No. Dude, tilapia, I'm with you, John. I forgot about that. This is going back from my first show. It's either first or second show. You know, at the time I was still working full time and like I'd run out to my car and it was cold tilapia, cold spinach, and that fucking gel at the bottom. Yeah, it's sick. Ah, I don't ever want to see that shit again. It's such a low grade quality fish too, you know, garbage it's, fish anyways. Um, well, that's already getting into what we want to talk about today, but R Renee, she, she's like, you have to ask Evan this, um, make sure you do. It's, it's the most important thing that you cover in the whole podcast. <laughs> All right. What, what is it? He's like, he's in new Haven, Connecticut. They're supposed to have some of the best pizza. Ask Evan, what is the best pizza place in new Haven? And is it actually that good? New Haven pizza is that good, number one. Um, I mean, I've 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 I lived in Italy for four months, and the pizza there is outstanding. New Haven pizza is unique. Uh, I mean, just just to just give some general characteristics, it's 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 a it's a thin crust pizza. Um, no, nah, nah. <laughs> no, it's gr it's great. Um, but a lot of it, it's um. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's good when it's kind of burnt a little bit. The crust is a little burnt. It's like kind of charred. Um, wood, wood fired like that. Um, it could be. A, well, Pepe's, right? Everybody knows Pepe's, yeah, Pepe's right? Um, they actually have this massive oven. It's um, dude, you should see like they have these paddles that they use, and it they're like eight feet like the handles are like eight feet long because that's how deep and how big the ovens are but it's a i think technically it's a brick oven okay but it's it's coal fired okay um it's really really good it, it is truly some of the best pizza in the world uh out, out at least from what i've experienced outside of italy outside of italy it's the best pizza i've ever had so of the main players, right, Pepe's is kind of considered the original. Sally's is right next door. Uh, Sally's is also very good. Had some not so great experience maybe with the with the service there. So, so maybe some atti attitude problems. They seem a little strong there. Um, little just kind of an attitude like take it or leave it, go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. Not really that, based so much around area. service. Uh, modern is great pizza. Modern, if, if it's cooked right, you know, if, if it's cooked well done, modern is probably my favorite. Right on. I'll, I'll pass it on to Renee because we've, because for the shows I picked, I picked the New York Pro and Chicago Pro so I could try both of those pizzas. Dude, so, you, should, you should really just come and have, have some of all of it. Well, we're, we're coming to, to Jersey after um, the Olympia. And so we're like, man, we could just, just make the little trip over and, and try some pizza out there. So, well, dude, you know, you got to come to New Haven because obviously the powerhouse there, the Montanari brothers is you have to, you, you've never, you've never been right. No, no, uh, dude, you have to go. Obviously tell me when you're going to be there. Well, if, 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 if you want my company, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes, well, you know, sometimes you're with yeah. your girl and you're like, no, man, like I just, I've, I've gone through a prep. It's been 16 weeks. I just want to chill, maybe me and one other person. Like, I don't want, you know, this, you know, sometimes it's true. Two's company, three's a crowd. But if you want, if you want some company, let me know. Um, we'll show you around a little bit. No, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. We'll, we'll reach out and figure it out. Cool. 
but um it's happening anyway our topic for the day <laughs> was uh just getting into the health aspect of bodybuilding um a lot of times starting out especially young like the the eyes on the prize of just the next show the pro card and a lot of that can kind of go out the window and what you know, you don't think about, hey, I might be this in this. When I was 25, I didn't think I'd be doing it when I was 35. That's 10 years later down the road. So you kind of need this longevity approach to it. But not to say, like, we're not going to still, like, take risk and still achieve <laughs> our goals. But what we're trying to – what I'm trying to educate people now on is, is we can do some of both and not take away from that. But there's stuff that we've done that's just excessive. But yes. you, you got into like a, a health approach in bodybuilding kind of earlier on, at least when I was, you know, seeing you coming up, what, uh, what like really spurred that on for you? I mean, like when I think back, you know, to like when I started in my early twenties, I, I could honestly say like, I was never really like reckless. You know, I'm like, I, I had some friends, they just didn't give a shit. And oddly, you know, what you find a lot of times in bodybuilding is that, there's a lot of like uh, partying, alcohol, drug use, you know, recreational drug use. Like for me, that always was really surprising because I always found any of those things to be really contradictory to what I was trying to accomplish as a bodybuilder. So for me, very early on, like it, I just weeded out drinking and all that other stuff. I was never the type to go out and party. Uh, if, if for no other reason, other than it just was contrary to my goals. Uh, so coming from that background, but then also, you know, as time went on, okay, it's 2005. I do my first show 2006. I do the junior nationals. Oh, seven. I win my pro card. Oh, uh, nine. First pro show 2011. Second pro show. I've got a daughter on the way and like, I'm doing really, really well. And I'm probably pushing myself harder than I've ever pushed myself. And my daughter is born. And like a few months later, my father's diagnosed with cancer. And so like there was a lot of things happening at once. Like, you know, like 2009, when I prepped for New York, I never felt so bad in my life. Like I just felt like death. And like there was times like uh, during that prep and after I was like, I don't know if I ever want to compete again. I feel so bad. Like it just like in what way? Like we all running just keto, just smash yourself down to the ground, high cardio. Um, the the diet was extreme. It didn't help. You know, I was driving probably three hours down to Brooklyn, okay. or two two hours down to Brooklyn, three hours back. Um, there was just a, and some of the things that I was using that you know in hindsight really weren't necessary. And, and granted, you know, two thousand nine, I achieved a really competitive look. It was a good look, but like it was enough to make me feel like, I don't know if I ever want to do this again. Like, I don't even know. It's an, it's almost sometimes enough to make you fucking hate it. So I didn't like the way I felt. Um, so in 2011, when I was, you know, I, I, I did my own prep and things went well, granted, I pushed myself really hard. I put a lot of um, pressure on myself, but I, I, I did it in a way that I felt was a little more, uh, it wasn't so extreme, but I looked even better. And so that was positive. But like I said, then, you know, my daughter was born. Uh, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And at this point, I don't know what, I'm maybe 29, 30 years old. So as you get older, I think having, having a child and then seeing what was going on with my father, you start to really think a lot about things. You know, here's my dad, somebody who, you know, to me is like invincible and, tough, tough dude, uh, you know, still is tough, tough as nails. And you're like, geez, like he's getting his lung cut out. Um, you start to think about things you're like, I've got a daughter, I want to be here. And you start thinking, well, my dad never did, you know, he's not the type of guy, he never smoked, he never drank, he never did any stuff like that. And you're like, well, here I am. And granted, I do a lot of very healthy things, but I also do some things that I'm probably not doing myself any favors. So he never tempted fate with anything, but here I am doing it. I really need to try to find a way to, I know bodybuilding is an extreme sport. Any sport at an elite level is going to be extreme. You know, balance to some degree is going to go out the window, but I got to try to find a way to 
you know, if race car drivers wear a five point harness or, you know, in a flame retardant suit, uh, I have to try to find some things that at least in my mind, I can try to mitigate some risk. And when I would talk about these things, it was odd to me because a lot of people would be like, well, look at the stuff you do and you're talking about health. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm talking about health because of those things that I do. So if I was a race car driver, just because I'm going to drive my car 200 miles an hour and do crazy risky shit doesn't mean that I'm an, I'm a hypocrite or I'm, I'm an idiot for wearing a seatbelt or a helmet or a flame retardant suit. It's all yeah. the more reason to do that. It's like, that's why we have a pit crew. We're going to like check the nuts and the bolts and all the shit, right? Like, yeah, like we're not <laughs> hypocritical for doing that. Like we're smart for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I started to just try to, at least in my mind, if, if there was, there's certain things you need to do as a bodybuilder to be competitive. If it wasn't something that I need, if I don't need to do it, then I don't do it, right? Like there's certain things I question, uh, you know, the inclusion of certain chemicals, you know, wh whether they're things you're using for competition or even just in the food you're eating, right? So it's like, well, I don't need that stuff and it probably isn't going to help me. So if I can avoid it, I'm going to avoid it. So looking back through that now and how your approach currently, like, did, are there standouts? I mean, maybe just starting like even nutrition wise, things that you were doing that you're like, definitely this wasn't helpful or you put these things in place that are really helpful now. I mean, look, I think as bodybuilders or in, or in any sport, you really, you fight for every little tiny bit and every little inch matters. So you know, when people would kind of roll their eyes and they'd be like, oh, like you're, um, you avoid artificial sweeteners. Like, does that, is that, does that really matter? Well, in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't know. It's just chemicals. Like I'm going to try to eat a diet that's as natural as possible because in my mind, I think that's what's best. Um, I, I don't think that artificial stuff is going to do me any favors so i'm gonna i don't i don't have to consume it so i'm gonna choose to exclude it uh there's no way to know how helpful or or not helpful that was you know there's there's a lot of things you don't know uh what it did for you or didn't do for you but i think whatever it is you're doing in life it has to at least make sense in your own mind and you have to have belief in it uh so if it gives you some kind of confidence or makes you feel better about what you're doing or sleep better at night then i think Maybe that that in itself makes it worth it. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things like even selecting food sources that you're you you might not it might not affect the outcome in bodybuilding. Like say, uh, come to mind like picking just regular uh, grain fed beef versus maybe grass fed beef. Like to get to stage if you're doing that or off season, the outcome it maybe won't even matter, right? No. But this might be something that matters like maybe 40 years down the road. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think, I think one thing that people tend to overlook is that any competitive sport may not be inherently healthy because it is extreme in nature. Granted, however, to survive it, so to speak, to have longevity in it and to continue to respond favorably and perform well, you have to have a certain amount of health. Yeah. Right, the healthier that you are, the better suited you're going to be to hold up to the strain of that endeavor. Yeah. You know, when you look at um, look look at baseball players and how many games they play in a season, uh, if they were you know not uh, look at look at what what's what's his name the uh, the football player the quarterback uh, Tom, Brady. Um, Tom Brady or Tom Brady Tom yeah. Brady. That guy to accomplish what it is he's accomplishing, he's he's in the position he's in because he's healthy. Yeah, like he. I don't know what he takes or doesn't take. I'm sure. I mean, I would assume that anyone at an elite level is making use of whatever compound they can make use of to benefit them. But the bottom line is, if that dude wasn't healthy, he wouldn't be where he is at his age with that longevity exhibiting that level of performance. So maybe football is a brutal sport. It may not be the quote healthiest sport, but that guy 
to do what he does has to be pretty fucking healthy. Which I think is, is so important to pull out, right? Because John and I talk about like a safer use model approach when it comes to how we approach bodybuilding and PED usage and stuff like that. And people often miss the boat because they're attached to this acute response, this like large elevation acute response in like a three to six week time frame. And it's like, if we look at like the long-term vector of progress over career, being able to maintain that health throughout a longer duration is going to allow us to reach higher higher ceilings within our, our career than just running it short within five, six, seven, eight years. Yeah, I mean, acute progress is great, but time goes by really, really fast. And you reach a point where the game becomes, becomes can I sustain this over the long run or am I just going to be a flash in the pan? And, you know, when, when you're younger, you know, when I was younger, I mean, I always looked at Dexter and said, wow, that guy's got a great physique, right? He's got a great physique. But then you'd maybe say, well, yeah, but he always looks the same, which again, is actually not a knock because the dude is consistently (laughs) incredible. Right. But the older you get, the more you come to appreciate a guy like Dexter, because you go, what? The guy is 50 years old, still competing at the top of the sport. That is incredible. I mean, very few people are going to have the goods to be a Mr. Olympia, right? Not only was Dexter a Mr. Olympia, but he was able to have a long, uh, overwhelmingly successful career with a ton of wins to his credit. For me, that is really the idea. That is what's awesome. Even, even Dexter's a great example because even his last like Olympia he did prepping into that, I remember like how much he actually improved his legs and, and his midsection. And one of the things he brought up was that he had to really work on his GI health because he was eating a lot of like a, a lot of processed stuff, sugar alcohols, just junk. And it was causing a lot of like distension, discomfort. And I think that was contributing at least what he attributed to like getting kind of this rounder rounder stomach on stage so he yeah, I mean like health and improved his outcomes on stage um, you know you, you talk to younger bodybuilders and they want to talk about drugs because the drugs have you know the drugs are the magic the drugs are the you know that, that's what's that's what's sexy no you talk to young guys they don't want to talk about gi health or you know stuff like that but it's like dude you're you don't understand that these are very relevant things and that if you're going to, you're going to make the best progress, make the best use of what it is you're consuming and you're going to have a successful career. These are the things that you should be thinking about because without this element of health, you're not going to get where you think you're going. It doesn't matter what drugs you have access to or uh, you know, how much of them you take. If you're not healthy and you're not laying the proper foundation, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I can think of several guys that that were the next big thing, and they had like these rapid progress. And I, I won't put any names out there, but then they disappear. Like, man, what happened to these guys? And I, I think there's also pressure on a lot of coaches too to produce the results. So you get a guy, then all of a sudden he makes these huge improvements. You're like, oh, wow. And everyone wants to hire this coach. Well, a lot of times these coaches are also pushing the protocol on the athletes to to make that happen. But then you see a lot of these athletes that are new. They're going to do whatever it takes. They just fade out. Um, And and they could be burnt out or could be from like health issues occurring, you know. I mean, I see I've seen some protocols recently coming from some of the, you know, top trainers in our sport and i'm fucking blown away when i see some of this stuff um it's so far above and beyond anything that i would even consider even consider doing myself let alone recommending to someone else like it's and and i'm not a dramatic person i'm not the type to be like that's dangerous but this shit is honestly it's dangerous it's dangerous it's totally reckless and like totally just off the chart, wacky, just totally nuts. 
I mean, I wasn't going to go too far into that. I was going to be more like food, but we're talking about it. So do you, do you have some like mainstay things within that, that you're like, would, you know, definitely don't go there with, with clients or yourself or just even, even the health approach behind mitigating those effects. Um, anything that stands out? One of, one of the things that just blows my mind is just the, I mean, a, abuse isn't even an adequate word. Um, not, obviously on the injectable side, but the use of oral steroids, I mean, this is just a, a blatant fucking no-no. Um, I mean, talking at 10, 12 plus weeks out from a show, yeah. using an insane amount of oral steroids that you know, dude, there's no way around it. It is fucking your liver. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way, there's no way around it, dude. And I don't care how good of a look it produces. Once you, once your liver is totally fucked over, good luck trying to get your body to respond the way you want it to respond. You're not going to be able to eat. You're not going to be able to process food and you're not going to be able to burn fat. And that's, this is what I'm saying. When you're not healthy, your body doesn't do what you, what you want it to do. Um, and, and just some of the stuff I see with oral steroids, it's like, that is a, that is undoubtedly going to be a problem. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's like within bodybuilding, the main organ systems that I, I, I really think are the most for longevity, of course, heart, kidneys, brain, and then liver. the acute one is liver. Um, but liver affects all the other ones. It's your main site of, of cholesterol, lipid metabolism, protein metabolism. Um, but these orals acutely vastly skew your lipid profile because of what they're doing to the liver. And uh, the, the acute issues is, is pretty dramatic as far as even, even this year for my prep, I've used one at a time and seeing my labs and seeing the impact to see like, do I need this or not? And I've done the preps where I have like four different orals in place. And this is, I've looked better and harder this year than I ever have. Yeah. So, and, you, and you have to wonder, is it because I'm placing less stress on my system? I'm not overwhelming my system. So, I mean, I asked like, what, you need to know, what are you getting out of each oral to implement each one? And, and you're just doubling down. Like at that point, you don't even know. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a great takeaway, especially in the off season. Like there's no, oh, there's for. absolutely no reason for oral use in an off season. Like or, in, in an off season. It's a, it, that's a short acute thing to get something out of, but in an off season, a long period of time, like you want to be able to stretch that out and you, you're not gonna be able to pull anything out that you couldn't with like an injectable and have less skewing of, of your, your health profile as well. Um, another one that comes to mind that stands out is um, um, estrogen modulation with aromatase inhibitors and CIRMs. Um, I see guys that are on like two different aromatase inhibitors and like a CIRM and estrogen just smashed down the whole prep. Yeah, I uh, those on both, right? And it's like you're getting HPA adaptation throughout a prep with females that's probably crashing their estradiol and progesterone anyways, yet we're trying to suppress estradiol with both AI and CERN usage, it's like, come on now, like we're just making a bad problem worse. Yeah, and you, even even off season, like I, I I don't see a need for them. I think you can you can adjust your stack to where you don't you don't need it. Um, and even like these are breast cancer drugs, which you know I, I was pulling up some research on long term use in these females that who they're designed for, and they they say it, 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 it's cardiotoxic. It, it oh, leads yeah. to atherosclerosis because estrogen is protective for the heart. So in bodybuilding, if we're constantly using these, these compounds, like they're cardiotoxic, you know, they're going to be um, issues. So if we can use less and, and design our stack in an appropriate way, you won't need to be utilizing this. Items. I've personally never used anti any kind of anti-estrogen in the off season. Um, if someone is because it's something that's really problematic for them. I mean, I'm talking like maybe, you know, half of an Arimidex, like twice a week or something. <laughs> like it, it shouldn't be anything above that. Like one milligram every day. <laughs> you know, like, no, no, dude. Like no. no fucking way. Not only, not only is it cardio toxic, but you're fucking your gains, dude. You're not going to grow. Yeah. 
the way you need to grow if you're holding back estrogen. I mean, estrogen, yeah, okay, you're going to get a little bloated and watery and things like that. But, dude, you need estrogen to grow. You do. Absolutely. It, it improves your insulin sensitivity and GH to IGF-1 conversions needed. Like they uh, in cattle, they um, they give cattle like trinbolone, right? Um, well, they don't have they the same. include estradiol with it. Yeah. Exactly. Why do they do that? Because trimbolone alone doesn't increase IGF-1 levels. It's it's not that great of a growth compound. So they add estrogen to it to do so. And, and because of that GH IGF-1. So it's it's um, an aspect you want estrogen in the off season to, to grow optimally for sure. When you look at the biggest, strongest dudes on the planet, they're not the most ripped guys and they're certainly not holding back their estrogen like they've got they probably got a good bit of it i mean even look look at look at a guy like ronnie you know ronnie had some pretty bad gyno at one point before he got it taken care of like a lot of the guys that have really good growth potential like natural growth potential just big fucking dudes usually they have a tendency toward being a little bit estrogenic at least that's what i've noticed you know, the guys, the guys that take stuff and none of it converts, they never get any, whatever. Usually those are the guys that are a little bit harder gainers. Yeah. That's, it's funny. You mentioned that I was listening to someone else speak about that. And it, it might be more of that kind of meso almost endo kind of by type, like, like they aromatize a little bit more, but they, I think they would get more out of less too. And I'm sure yeah. like these, these freaks out there, like they take a little bit and it's a huge response, but they probably aromatize a lot. I, I don't know exactly. They, you they know. aromatize a little bit more than, you know, the hard gainer type. So if they were to take same dosage as whatever the other guy, uh, they probably tend to get more size potentially. I mean, they're all, it's, right. it's inner individual differences. But that's, that's, that's at least what I think. Yeah. We're, we're no, we're no scientists on that, that topic, but, um, anecdotally, right. Yeah. I, I could see that. Um, but those, I mean, those are some, some major health issues. Is there anything that comes up health wise to that you've used pharmaceutical wise per, protection wise? Cause there's, I, I don't use statins. I, I don't use, I don't, I don't use, I don't, I'm not on a prescription for anything. Um, I don't use any kind of, you know, what's that? No blood pressure medication or anything. No, I mean, my blood pressure has always remained in check. Um, and I took it a few mornings ago. I think I took a picture of it. What was it? I forget. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Well, that's, um, a, that's a good just topic right there. You track your blood pressure. I mean, it's not something I do every day. Um, but, you know, maybe every week or so I might check it. I mean, the other day it was 115 over 76. Yeah, that's, um, that's solid. And I'm, I'm like 280 at the moment. Yeah. I've just, I've never had a problem. Um, and that's why I tell guys too, like blood pressure, definitely be the silent killer of bodybuilders. You know, it's, uh, do I do it once a week and I just keep that data going. Um, I'll track blood glucose fast, just, just once a week. Um, more, more, we're not really in prep because you're going to get insulin sensitive anyway, but off season when I'm like pushing food, and usually I can see glucose starting to rise as I'm starting to, you know, hunger starting to drop off and you're starting to see like progress stall. It's like a lot of guys just push the pedal down, push more food in. And, and that's, I think that's the time when you need to pull back a little bit and then keep going. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, those are some like minor things at home that I can track myself before I'm actually pulling full labs to look through everything. Um, I mean, like when we really look at things, right, it, you're, you're, you're the guy who's, you know, you're in an off season and you, you know, you're using some injectables, you're running some tests in DECA, or you're running some uh, test in EQ, whatever it is, maybe a little bit of growth hormone. It's not like anything you're using has any actual toxicity, right? O outside of, you know, the, the use of oral steroids, you're not really going to have any kind of toxicity problems but if maybe you have an unfavorable response in terms of blood pressure or you're using growth hormone and maybe for whatever reason it really screws your insulin sensitivity and now your blood sugar starts getting higher and higher like that's a problem like a lot of times i think people are under the impression that the drugs that bodybuilders use have some kind of acute toxicity 
um, you know, you, you could inject an entire bottle of testosterone and it's not going to acutely send you to the hospital, like a bottle gonna, of aspirin or something. Exactly. You, yeah. you know, ibuprofen is much more dangerous in that regard. Um, but over time, as you're using it and you get bigger and bigger, a lot of the side effects, at least in my opinion, like I said, assuming you're not using a lot of oral steroids, um, a lot of the problems you're going to have are going to be a side effect of being big. <laughs> not, yeah. not necessarily directly of the drugs. You know, you, you know, when you're chronically, you know, you're walking around uh, X number of pounds above where your body is comfortable being, sleep apnea, um, you know, uh, insulin resistance, blood pressure. Now you start having some problems, but that's really just because your body doesn't want to be that size. It's uncomfortable for your body. Yeah, I think it's at that point, it's kind of multivariable, right? You have high amounts of foods, high body weight. The drugs are there, but they're probably more of the long-term issues that could be accumulating. Not, not some acute like liver toxicity like might be present. But um, yeah, over the long haul, I mean, just look at large body individuals. It's not the best health outcomes, right? So, yeah, is, yeah. It, is it, you're probably not going to have an acute issue from the drug use. But if the drug use is causing you to be a lot bigger than your body wants to be or that your body can handle, you're probably going to have a problem with that. Yeah, no, I can definitely, definitely agree on that side for sure. I mean, it makes sense. And that's, that's an area when you probably, you should pull back and hold, hold, let your body get used to that body weight before you just keep, like the guys push up too quick too. And that's right. part of the problem. Like if you can hold steady and you, you adapt a little bit more to that weight. And, and some people are, are better suited for certain things. I mean, um, may, maybe a, a, a bad example, but there's people that smoke cigarettes their entire life and they live a long time and they don't get lung cancer. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try it. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't want to try and go, well, let me find out if I'm that guy. But th the reality is that some people are better suited to hold up to certain stresses or they don't respond negatively to certain things. And then there's some people, look, there, there, there might be, you could have two different guys. Uh, you know, one is a, one is a long time user of anabolics and he has a full head of hair. There might be another guy who uses it and it is first cycle, his fucking hair falls out. It, it, a lot of it is how you're going to respond to it. And you don't know sometimes until you're in it. And some people just, I mean, look, look, look at, again, I bring up Dexter Jackson. I mean, in a way he survived bodybuilding, right? Like, you, you know, there was no way around the fact that there's certain things he had to do to be that competitive. And he just fucking held up. Yep. It, it shows probably his, his response is, has to be phenomenal. And his response to side effects has to be as long, good too, you know? And, and I think a lot of times people don't consider this. He responds incredibly well to training, right? Yeah. Um, the heart, look, we, we all want to be hardcore. We all want to say, you know, we go in the gym and we fuck shit up. But the reality is... All right. And I, I don't know if this is going to sound soft or not, but if you have really, really, really extraordinary genetics and you don't have to annihilate yourself in the gym and you can respond really favorably, well, you're going to have a longer career, dude, because you're not going to have, have put that kind of physical abuse on your body. So, and, and I, don't, I don't care if this comes across as, as being soft or not, but I would tell just as I would tell someone, listen, the less amount of drugs you can get away with, the better. Look, if you can respond to this amount, no reason to take this amount. I would say the same of training. If you can get a great response from training, let's just call it training moderately. Well, then why, why beat the living shit out of your tendons and everything else um, un unnecessarily? Yeah, yeah, I think you really missed the boat with that too, right? Like, John and I are really big on like the execution side of things with like applying that hypertrophy. And I think that's like the piece that allows for that long-term because we're getting more out of every rep. We're getting more out of every set and the abuse doesn't accumulate quite as much over time. And we can create tension through like target tissues a lot better. 
Um, and I think that that alongside some of the things that you're probably using, which I, I would love to hear on like the supplemental side and nutritional side, like maybe OTC therapies and things like that to manage this chronic elevation and stimulus that we're actually giving ourselves, whether it be training or nutrition, or even like the compounds we're using is going to be a net stimulus on our system um, right. to manage that. Because I think that that's where we see the long-term progress for individuals over time. Yeah. And, and I don't know if I'm just lucky, you know, there've been a couple times where I had access, uh, a friend of mine, his girlfriend was head of ultrasound at a hospital. Um, and when I first started, he was, he started off as a client of mine and he said, you know, man, my girl gives me a lot of problems about, you know, using some of this stuff. And, you know, she has a lot of questions about what it could potentially be doing to me internally. She knows you've been doing it forever. She wants to see what you look like inside, you know, inside. Uh, so if you'd be open to it, you want to come get checked out. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what I look like inside. <laughs> so uh, I, this, this was, this was me before years ago uh, at, at this point. And I went up there on a Saturday morning and uh, you know, she's able to, to check kidneys, liver, uh, my thyroid, uh, scan certain arteries. A separate guy came in to, to do my heart. And at the end of all of it, uh, there, was, there was a small, uh, some, something small on my thyroid, uh, some like a nodule. But oddly, the guy who did my heart was really surprised. He's like, your heart isn't even enlarged, nor, is, nor, nor are the walls thicker. Um, he's like, this is really odd considering both your size. And he's like, you know, we get people in who are just athletes, you know, and they have an their heart's larger, it's thicker, et cetera. He's like, yours is totally normal. So I joked, I said, maybe I just have a small heart to begin with. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's like, there's no uh, scarring or any fatty deposits uh, in your liver. The blood flow in and out of your kidneys, everything is perfect. Um, and she didn't see any buildup in my arteries. So that was really reassuring. And then it was maybe like a year or two ago, I asked them, I said, dude, you, can I come up again? Would she be willing to, to do that again? And he's like, yeah. So she did again. Everything still looked fine. Um, the only thing I wasn't able to do at that point was the heart because the guy who did it, this was like at night. He wasn't there. Okay. Um, so, so, I mean, I would like to say, well, yeah, it's because of X, Y, and Z that I'm doing. Yeah. But I could just be lucky. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. At least you're, you're, you're wearing your seatbelt right in your race car, right? <laughs> So, I mean, I, I think that's, I think if you're in it and competitive, like it's smart to probably go get an echocardiogram once a year, like for how much, like I have guys that like, they're spending like a thousand dollars a month on growth hormone, but they're like, oh man, that's $200 blood test. I don't know, man. Like I, that's not in the budget. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, or, or just going to pay for an echo, like for the, the years that you're in bodybuilding, just, just monitor it. So you're not. 10 years down the road, you're like, I don't know how this happened. Like, yeah, man, there was warning signs all the way. You just didn't stop and look at them, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get to the point where you, you, you've you created irreversible damage. I mean, you know, look, I, I see what my father went through. He spent six years fighting cancer. He had a lung removed. He had a, he had a carotid artery removed. He went through various courses of chemotherapy. Um, he was essentially told, like, look, like, just go home, try to stay comfortable. It's over. Um, he ended up getting into a study at uh, Rutgers University. It was an experimental trial with an immunotherapy drug, and it ended up working for him. Uh, so that was great. But, like, you know, man, life can be really, really fragile. Like, look, you hear stories, hey, and this guy, healthy guy, athlete, he just dropped dead or he bumped his head. He went to sleep. He never woke up. It just takes, sometimes it could take so little um, and you only get one shot at this. And I don't care what anybody says, man. Like, I don't know. I want to live as long as possible. I don't want to fucking die prematurely. Like I'm terrified of dying. <laughs> like I want to be here for as long as I possibly can. I want to enjoy my, my daughters, hopefully they have grandkids. I'd love to be a grandfather. Um, that's awesome. Like I want to be here as long as possible and you know, health 
when you look at people, I mean, look, money helps a lot of things. And even when it comes to health, okay, if you have the funds, you may be able, you may have access to certain treatments that other people don't. But even then, man, look at Steve Jobs. That dude had all the money in the world. It couldn't save him. Yeah. So, you know, you you don't want to tempt, you don't, at least as, as little as possible, you don't want to tempt fate. You don't want to neglect your health. If, if you're gonna, um, if, if you're gonna push things, then at least try to do, if you're gonna do some things that are unhealthy, well then try to do extra things that are healthy. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 I would do everything possible that you can outside of your unhealthy behavior, right? And, right. and that's what we do. Like I, I tear through my nutrition or my cardio or my supplement regimen to try to see any, anything that that's gonna be efficacious, that makes sense to, to do. And there's lots of things that I, you know, I, when I was younger, I wasn't doing. And I, and like you said, you don't know it's genetic is, is going to be just like, if you're going to be a pro bodybuilder, it's heavily genetically determined. But so, I mean, that's, I just have to rule that out because I can't change it anyway. Right. But at least like what I can do, like around like nutrition or um, supplement regimens, uh, like things younger, like, man, I, I have to say like fruit and vegetable intake, even with my clients, like, it is so low then when it, and it's such a basic thing, like, cause you're, I know people want some, like some superfood, like tell me the food though, the one, right. But if you look at like cultures and the epidemiological studies and just people that live a long time, the, the common trend, even in these healthy diets, the Mediterranean diet, you know, et cetera, they, they just have high fruit and vegetable intakes. It's like, I know that sounds really basic, but how often do we see a bodybuilding diet that's like devoid of it, right? Well, I, I think a lot of bodybuilders would take that info and they'd be like, oh, okay, let me pile a bunch of fruits and veggies on top of my diet. And that might not be the answer either. I think a lot of, you know, what you said, fruits and vegetables, undoubtedly, but you might too see a smaller caloric intake be a common trend. Very well. I yeah. mean, when I'm dieting for a competition, I might not be eating the, you know, this incredible variety of um, superfoods or anything like that, but I'm in a calorie deficit. And in being in a calorie deficit, I can feel my inflammation is lower just, just by being in a calorie deficit. Um, and that, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of guys talk about when they're prepping, they don't feel well. And I've had a couple of those preps. But by and large, if I'm prepping and I'm doing it what I would consider the right way, I feel amazing. I don't have any aches or pains. I sleep like a baby at night. Um, my digestion is spot on. I don't go for four months and not have a single fart. Um, you know, you take those nice big shits where you don't even, you know, there's nothing even there to wipe. So I'm like, man, like things are, things are, things are on. Like I feel healthy. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. Like I had this, when I was doing my master's in nutrition, we had this cancer researcher come and we kind of nailed him down. Like, Hey, what's, what's like one thing to do? Like, what, what is the thing? He's like the thing that we have the, the most like um, nailed down variable is just to keep a low body weight. That, yeah. that was, that was all he really said. Like, it wasn't like eat this food or it wasn't even about calories. Just like in general, a lower body weight has less disease occurrence. Well, you, you know what I think is really interesting? And this is my feeling based on what I've experienced. I think a bodybuilding prep, now I don't mean one that's just uh, bombarded with every drug under the sun. What I mean is the process of dieting, okay? When you're prepping for a show, if you consider some of the things you do, your, your, your meals are totally regimented. So your intake is very constant. You're in a consistent calorie deficit. You're eating pretty much all natural, no processed foods. At least me, this is me talking. Yeah. I'm eating nothing processed. Uh, usually it, it's very low in carb. And it, when I look, at, look to the times where I used to do keto, even more so, I felt like a million dollars. Water intake is high. 
getting plenty of sleep each night. Um, these are all really helpful things. And I think that getting down to a very low body fat percentage periodically, if it was once a year, uh, I think you're, you're kind of cleaning house, so to speak. You know, you're, you're, you're getting, if you look at cars, right? If you have an old car, one of the things they tell you is don't ever run out of gas. Like don't ever let the fuel go so low that you start pulling from the bottom of the tank because over time sediment, you know, whether it's dirt, rust, things like that build up in the gas tank and that shit sits at the bottom of the tank. And if gas ever gets low enough, that's what you start sucking up. However, then you had a new automobile. Just, this is just me conceptually speaking. And you routinely ran it low on gas. Stuff at the bottom of the tank would never build up, right? So what I'm saying is if every year you clean house, right? You get down to a really low body fat percentage. You're in a calorie deficit. Your inflammation is really low. I think you give your body the opportunity to heal itself in a lot of ways and to get rid of a lot of shit. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, they're chronically overweight. Inflammation just gets higher and higher and stuff builds up, I think, over time. So would look, you look, say look at what look at what happens when you diet too. your propensity for any kind of like in Chinese medicine, they would call it dampness. Right. And there's dampness. There's dryness. And literally, when you prep for a show, you get really dry, literally. But what that means, too, like you're, there's not like a lot of fat tissue. You're not holding a lot of extra fluid. Even the propensity for any kind of fungal infection decreases versus people who are consistently they're watery, they're chubby. Um, they, they, if you look at their system, sometimes they'll have a propensity for fungal infections. And it's it's just like a damp basement. It grows mold. I mean, this, it sounds weird, but I think a prep or at least achieving a really low body fat uh, periodically, I think is one of the, the healthiest things you can do. Well, on that, cause I would, um, if you look at some of like the nutrition longevity approaches, they look a lot into like intermittent fasting or just caloric restriction in general. Um, because what do we see when we're in these calorie surpluses, you're in high PEDs, you're training, you're driving all those anabolic processes, cells are turning over and over. And that, that's an aging process, right. fasting, caloric restriction. It's the exact opposite. You, you'd have slower cell turnover. You'd have less of these growth stimulus that also promote age. I know we just think muscle, but think about all the tissues in the body, but th those are kind of like an anti-aging approach. So even caloric restriction, yeah, you reduce inflammation in the body. You, and, and I think you would have a, an anti-aging aspect. That's, that's the approach that people are utilizing for longevity. Well, it, it, in what you said too, I mean, we, we cannot escape evolution, right? Everyone, like every species on the planet has certain things that is meant for them, right? Certain species are supposed to eat certain foods. You know, you don't go feeding certain things to certain animals. You don't go putting uh, gasoline in a diesel truck, right? It's not what's meant for it. And from an evolutionary perspective, we've evolved over thousands and thousands of years to eat certain foods and to even go through certain patterns, right? Like food wasn't always plentiful like it is now. So maybe there would be periods of feasting, you know, okay, maybe you slaughter an animal and there's a lot of food for a couple of days. And then you're back to, you know, you're on the move, you're looking for food. You might run that tank back low again. So there's a lot of this. I don't think, you know, the, even just the very concept of eating five, six meals a day, this, this I don't think is really part of our evolution. Uh, you know, even when you look at gut health and the, they say, wow, geez, uh, fermented foods and probiotics, it's a very healthy thing. Yeah, because that's part of our evolution. Because, you know, we didn't always have a frigid air refrigerator to put things in. So we had to find ways to 
preserve food. So that bacteria and that fermented, you know, all that stuff, that's a part of our evolution. We've evolved, that's part of us. And when you look at what's happened just over the last hundred plus years, all the changes just in the food supply, it's, it runs totally contrary to our evolution. And I think it's no coincidence that you're seeing a lot of the problems that you're seeing. The bottom line is we just do shit we're not meant to do. <laughs> well, it's like the 80s when you had the, the big spike in fast food. It's like, man, food accessibility is like an instant um, in, in eating a lot of processed foods, but also just all day long in calorie excess is driving a lot of disease states that you see. With what you said, Evan, uh, uh, like a diet, you know, at, at some point, even because you have guys that go into these extended off seasons, right? They want to grow all year. And like you said, it's nothing's ever linear. Right. There needs to be some time to probably come down to even even a maintenance level, if not even diet some. Right. Um, do you do anything like that? Like for these like extended off seasons? I know you like just, hey, just diet for a little bit and yeah. then then bring it back up to off season. Do you do anything more acute? Like, do you do, do fasting days or anything like that? I mean, there's sometimes where I'll just decide, you know what, I'm going to die. I'm going to get myself in shape and it's, it'll be a good uh, change. And then when I go back to eating, I'll respond to it again. I mean, we've all experienced the post-show rebound and there's nothing better. Um, Is there a trigger for that? Like when, when you're like, man, I need to die. It's just like when your food's pushing and it seems like nothing's moving anymore. Or is it when, you know, when you're not hungry anymore, your sleep starts getting shitty. Maybe you even feel your blood pressure a little bit. You're like, dude, I just, I just got to clean house. I just got to clean myself up. I've got to reset things and I've got to start, not start over, but I've got to resharpen everything and set myself back up to respond again. Um, even recently I've started doing every other day, like one day I'll, it'll be uh, predominantly protein and carbohydrates. And then the next day I have no carbohydrates. And what I'm finding is that, you know, even though, even though on those days where there's no carbohydrates, there's quite a bit of fat. I feel like on the, I feel like generally speaking, my, my appetite is increasing tremendously and I'm responding more favorably to the carbohydrates that I'm consuming. And I almost feel like my metabolism is increasing, but I also feel like because there's, you know, maybe half the week, I'm not eating any carbs. I actually feel like my inflammation is a lot lower. And like, I feel better, like less pain, aches and pains in my body. Do you feel a, a more of a benefit to doing that versus just like an even keel? Like say you're trained day, you have a lot of carbs and protein the other day, a lot of fat. What if it was just middle of the road every day? Like some carbs, some fats. Do you, do you notice the difference between the two? Yes. And, and, and you know how you, we were just speaking about. Yes. Bodybuilding. I think one thing, okay. Eating the same thing every day is a lot easier to conceptualize it's easier to plan for it's it's we generally we like routine i like routine i like knowing okay i'm gonna eat today the same thing i ate yesterday bodybuilding or anything that you want to cause a response the body never responds to this ever that's why you train a workout is an hour long or 90 minutes long of you training really, really hard. You say, well, what if I just took all that same training? Okay, I moved X, X, X amount of weight. Why don't I just stretch that out over a five hour period, right? Well, it's not even a fucking workout anymore, but you did the same thing, right? So like if what you said, okay, if, if my total amount of, of carbs, proteins, and fats for the week were the same, and my calorie intake was the same. Whether I did it, you know, every other day, uh, protein and carbs, protein and fat, or I just had some of all three, you know, each day, well, wouldn't it be the same? It's not. It's not. You ha it has a different effect. Just like if, like I said, if we were to stretch a workout, then well, it's the same amount of activity. Let's just stretch it out over a few hours doesn't have the same effect not even close this is when you get people that start bringing up studies to argue because they'll look at the big picture right Cal calories a calorie or a macro is a macro but it's 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 very segmented in how they're looking at things and variables which and especially for us i think being higher level 
and in a high competitive, it, it when it it does matter, and and nutrient matter. timing matters. Of course, and it matters. Food sources matter. Yeah, if 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 you had, if say you eat carbohydrate intake, if you were to concentrate it for the week, say, I don't know, into into one day or even two days, even if you had the same amount of calorie intake for the week it changes things because your insulin sensitivity changes and the way you process it, it changes. Like if for the week um, you had the same amount of calories, but in, in one diet, you know, in one diet, it was all spread out evenly. And then in another diet, there was like two cheat meals that were really, really calorie heavy, same number of calories, but by concentrating it into that meal, you're probably not even going to fucking absorb a lot of it. No, we, we even have, we have, we have research that looks at this, like one meal the night before looking at insulin sensitivity the next day. And it's, it's drastically skewed. Like people are, are vastly more insulin resistant. So that next day, like your hunger signaling could be less. You won't get as good pumps. I mean, some people have a cheat meal and your sodium and your water's up. So you feel good in the gym, but long-term keep doing that in the off season and, and you just get fat and nothing and pumps are gone. So it's uh there is a, there is a response to it that goes beyond and um, just like the steady, even keel. And I agree. Like I, I have a more of a cyclic approach too. I even think from a growth standpoint, like just putting more around training, it makes a lot of sense, but also like carbohydrates and insulin, it's a, it's anti-catabolic, but still you drive a lot of embolism and fuel training then times when you're not, it makes sense to not have as many carbs. It's the practicality aspect too. Like try eating the same amount of food on your off day. Like, man, sometimes it can be a struggle to get it down. So it's like, just, just eating less makes sense. Um, you know, it, it, it meant like intensity. And when I, I'm, I'm going to use the word intensity, intensity matters, whether it's with training or a diet. And when, with a diet, when I use the term intensity, what I mean is, where you choose to focus things or, you know, as opposed to just doing this, um, it, it matters. It undoubtedly matters. I mean, you, you, you can take something and you can water it down so much that it just, it's no longer, it's not even what it was supposed to be. You can, you can water a workout down so much that it's not even a workout anymore. Right. If, 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 if someone curled, if you curled a dumbbell, uh, for 10 reps and you made it a set versus you went, you curled it once, you put it down, you walked away, you came back a couple minutes later, you curled it again. It just, it loses all meaning. You, you need, you need that drastic stimulus. Yeah, there has to be a certain concentration of something. Adaptation. Yeah. How's the change? Well, that's everything, isn't it? I mean, this, yeah. The, I mean, that's even what determines if something is a poison or not. Right. It's yeah. the concentration of it. Yep. I mean, it's, it's what gives meaning to almost all things is the concentration of it. I mean, even, I don't know. Uh, water. <laughs> Drink yeah. too much water, it'll kill you. Um, and that's a relatively healthy thing for us, right? I mean, right. I mean, things could, sometimes things are no longer things if you water them down enough. Yep. No pun intended with the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well I mean, we're like coming up right on an hour here so we'll uh we'll, we'll wrap it up do you uh do you still take on clients for coaching are you like at a, a cap right now yeah no i do um you know there's a lot of times where you know someone will email me and say you know are you, are you taking clients and i'll say well i am but you know tell me a little bit about yourself first and yeah. you know sometimes i'll say well you know, I, I don't, based on what you're telling me, I don't know that we would be a good fit. And that has nothing to do with, you know, people like you only train bodybuilders. No, I mean, I, one of my best clients is, is a 63 year old woman who is not a bodybuilder at all. She'll never step foot on stage. Um, I just like working with people who, you know, I mean, if somebody has this idea in their head, um, you know, there's certain people I just don't like working with. <laughs> no, well, I think what it is is like for me, if you're a reasonable, if you're a reasonable person, and I feel like I can literally I can work with you. I don't care what your goal is or where you come from or how old you are or whatever. 
I'm happy to work with you. I just don't like working with unreasonable, crazy people. <laughs> For everyone, like <laughs> I, I, I need someone I can connect with, kind of on the same mind wave, and they're gonna understand. So, like I like people that are very passionate about learning, um, and that connects well with me because they want to put more in too, and they want to invest in themselves rather than me just here. Here's what to do. Go do it. Uh, that doesn't excite me. Like I need, I need a client that you know I'm excited to work with because they're excited about and passionate about it that's why i need to see in someone just passion i don't need a genetic elite i just need someone that that no. wants to... and, and just someone who's you know they're serious about they're serious about things yeah. you know they're not just gonna flake out i mean if if we work together and you're able to follow a protocol you're gonna have a good result um yep. you know i just like working with anybody who can follow directions <laughs> Well, we're, we're for people to like reach out to you, Evan, or follow you. Where, where can they do that after you want to give, give some plugs or anything? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, Evan Centipani. You could DM me. Um, you could email me at Evan at Centipani.com. Uh, or you could go to Centipani.com and there's some info on training in the shop section of my website. You can see all the training services that I offer. Um, but yeah, I mean, mainly on Instagram, that's probably the easiest way that or email is the easiest way if you want to get a hold of me. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll leave it in the description below so anyone can, can check you out and bug you. <laughs> but uh, anyway, man, I, it was a great conversation. Again, thank you for your time and for coming on. Um, I've always wanted to just be able to chat with you. And I've, since we started the podcast, you've always been in mind like a, a, a mindful bodybuilder, right? So again, thanks. Thanks again for coming uh, on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, you're, you know, we've known each other long enough now and I've seen, you know, things you've been doing over the years. I mean, you're really one of the, the better minds in the sport because you seek to, you know, a, a improve and educate yourself. And in the process, share that with others. Um, and that's, that's, that's really admirable. And that's one of, you know, that's, that's what makes you good for the sport. Um, keep doing what you're doing. I'd love, I come back anytime. I really appreciate you having me and thanks to everybody out there for watching. Well, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate the kind words. J3U podcast. We are out and we'll talk to you next time. See you guys.